Hello and welcome to the ALC Pan-African Radio's magazine program where we bring you highlights of news from across the African continent. Welcome to the magazine program with me, Munira Shayab. In this edition, we look at why certain North African countries have been showing a keen economic interest in countries south of the Sahara in recent years. Shortly after Morocco rejoined the African Union in 2017, King Mohammed VI embarked on a nearly two-month tour of five sub-Saharan African nations, culminating with the signature of over 50 bilateral agreements. The African Development Bank estimates that 85% of Morocco's outward foreign direct investment goes to sub-Saharan Africa. While banking remains Morocco's first area of investment, other business sectors ranging from energy to chemicals are also gaining prominence. Morocco has become the second largest investor on the continent behind South Africa in only a few years and is likely to maintain its focus on sub-Saharan Africa as it seeks to reduce its reliance on trade with the European Union. In Egypt too, billboards have adorned Egypt's capital in recent years with adverts for Africa-focused conferences and summits. The Egyptian government has been attempting to position itself as one of the leaders of African markets and a touchpoint for the continent's 54 countries to convene and communicate. Egypt's Minister of Investment and International Cooperation has highlighted on several occasions her government's desire to boost trade and investment ties with the rest of Africa. Egypt, too, is diverting its attention away from the Arab world and focusing it on its southern neighbors instead. It's worth noting here that the late Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi got there first before he was killed in 2011. Gaddafi wanted to create what he called the United States of Africa, based on a new African economic system. He wanted to introduce the gold dinar to black African currencies. Gaddafi spelled out his plans to create a united Africa and he called on the continent to speed up the integration process but his plans did not materialize. To discuss this and whether Moroccan and Egyptian focus on Africa south of the Sahara is being matched by a campaign by the governments of these two countries to change general perceptions of Africa as a place of disease, poverty and backwardness that needs help to a relationship of equal partnership I am joined by Al Arbi Tuaf from Wajda in the east of Morocco and by Dr. Marwa Maziad from Cairo. Thank you very much, Munira. Thank you for uh, this opportunity uh, to talk to your listeners. So, my name is Arbi Tuaf. I am um, a professor at the University uh, of Wajda. I teach English literature and English uh, in general, also a researcher, so I publish a lot. I, I do a lot of research on different issues, social, cultural issues, political issues as well. Uh, I work on um, lots of things, including uh, public space, uh, women and gender studies, uh, uh, of course, all kind of critical theory that related to, to literature and to um, college education in general. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, Marwa, you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? I'm Dr. Marwa Maziad. I'm a visiting scholar at the Jackson School of International Studies in the United States. And I'm also a non-resident scholar at the Middle East Institute in Washington uh, in the defense and security program there. And my area of research um, is focused on um, comparative Middle East politics uh, with a focus on uh, civil-made relations in, um, in Turkey, Egypt, Israel, and the Arab Gulf states. So 
I got the Middle East covered, and uh, aspects of my research also looks at uh, uh, the, um, the outreach or uh, penetration of these countries that I named into the African continent, into the Horn of Africa in particular. So uh, I have an upcoming um, project on um, uh, Turkey's presence and Egypt's presence and uh, other countries' presence in uh, Somalia, Ethiopia, and uh, Eastern Africa in particular. Uh, first of all, um, uh, Arbi, if I may start with you, uh, why do you think this interest in Morocco's interest in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa in recent years, where does it come from and why now? I think the interest, the Morocco's interest in Africa is connected to, to Morocco's return to the African Union, to the institutions uh, of the African Unions, because of, uh, since the 1980s, Morocco withdraw, uh, withdrew from, from the Union, uh, the Organization of the African Union uh, of the time, uh, in protest against the, the presence of the separatist movement called Polisario of the Western Sahara, Moroccan Western Sahara. Um, and so since then, Morocco has not been politically involved much in the institutions, but, you know, it's still kept its relationship with the African nations, especially West Africa. So the return is, uh, can be understood uh, at different levels. Uh, maybe while we wait for Al-Arbi's connection to come back, well, the same question to you, uh, Dr. Marwa. Why Egypt's interest in uh, sub-Saharan Africa in recent years? I think, well, we have to contextualize the interest as uh, being historical uh, for different reasons. Uh, being geographically located in North Africa means um, Egypt is part of Africa, the continent. Um, it's often a matter of conceptualization of what the definition of their neighborhood is or the geostrategic expansion of a given country within its neighborhood. So Egypt, for instance, over history, uh, either identified itself as belonging to, as being the first state in the world for, its, for all intents and purposes, being more uh, self-sufficient and independent. So that's not necessarily located within its geography as much. But over time, it became very important for Egypt to locate itself either in North Africa and the Middle East, or by extension, the roots, uh, the Nile roots being one geographical uh, uh, unit, be it in the, um, the origins of the Nile. So I think the geography of Egypt has always pushed it to uh, think of itself within its neighborhood. But over history, you see that there is alternation between what the emphasis is. Is Egypt an Arab country? Is it a Muslim country? Is it an African country? Is it a, a Western world country looking towards really being a Mediterranean country? Mm -hmm. But Egypt is all of these uh, identities, and it's a matter of uh, what kind of historical um, events and leadership pushes it to one uh, direction or another. So under Nasser time, for instance, Egypt, the emerging republic, the Arab Republic, uh, that was very revolutionary in terms of being um, against the monarchies and such, what, and against colonialism, was very rooted in the history of other uh, African independent countries. And Nasser was very supportive of the liberation movements and revolutionary movements throughout sub-Saharan Africa, all the mm -hmm. way into you know Somalia and the Nile Basin, but also uh, Western Africa and Southern Africa. But 
under Sadat, for example, there was more of a, a statist approach. Egypt was very defined by its actual borders, that square that defines the, the map of Egypt, and was more uh, interested in being uh, non-expansionist, non-revolutionary, non-exporting of anything, including the revolutionary notions and the republican notions of Nasser. So you found a shrinking a little bit. Even though Sadat himself has African roots in the sense that his mother uh, is Sudanese and, uh, and, um, and, and uh, in terms of race and ethnicity, he was very much rooted in, in, um, in Egypt as an, in, the, in the geography vision and the African roots of Egypt. So you had a little bit of oscillation. Under Mubarak, uh, uh, after Egypt was a little bit, um, as I said, shrinking its role within its borders, uh, signing the peace with Israel and be, being uh, kind of independent its foreign policy. I think um, Mubarak wanted to come back to the African Union and come back into uh, uh, African um, uh, fold and, uh, and try to renew some of these ties. But then there was the assassination or attempted assassination in Addis Ababa in 1995, which made um, uh, Mubarak also kind of shut the doors a little bit about this uh, African presence uh, mm -hmm. of, of Egypt. So fast forward until this moment, you, what I'm trying to say is that theorizing this relation, you'll always find that it goes, it expands and then shrinks. But in this given moment, I think that uh, Egypt is uh, interested anew, again, in its uh, African ties, because there are many challenges for Egypt right now. These challenges have to do with... Uh, the, the Nile and the Renaissance uh, Dam in Ethiopia and such, uh, which could be just a, a national interest of Egypt, but also because Egypt is pushed by other players who are expanding uh, and connecting uh, ties into Africa, namely Turkey that is present in Somalia and the Horn of Africa, uh, the UAE, which is an ally of Egypt, but it has major presence in Eritrea, and other parts of Africa as well, and Israel that is also uh, very much present in Ethiopia. So all these countries, uh, almost um, uh, with their ties, be it economic or also militaristic or uh, geopolitical, they are almost encircling Egypt uh, into its African roots. So mm -hmm. Egypt has to respond to that by being present. The question is, what kind of presence is that? Is that a mm -hmm. presence that is respectful and mutually constitutive and uh, based on trade and exchange of cultural um, roots and ties? Or is it uh, what often Egypt is you know, accused of and Egyptians are accused of having to do with what she presented at the beginning? Is it just a hegemonic presence, a superior look at... Uh, the poor, diseased continent or a sense of detachment from the continent as if they are not from that continent, the Egyptians, as if they are not. We'll come, yeah, we'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, you want to carry on with your point, uh, the, your answer to my first question to you, where you got cut off? Yes. Uh, go right. ahead. Um, the, I, was saying, I was saying that in uh, Morocco's return, uh, to Africa can be, you know, it's, well, first of all, it's not a return. Morocco has always been in Africa. <laughs> it's a return to the institutions of Africa for a while. I mean, been part of the African Union, 
um, because Morocco has left it, as I said earlier, in the 1980s, left the organization in protest against the presence of the separatist movement called the Polisario. Mm -hmm. uh, and now the return of Morocco since 2016 and 2018 started, uh, the, the return started to be uh, diplomatic, political, and especially economic. And it is, uh, and it's, 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 a, it's a return to, you know, in, here in Morocco, people see it as legitimate uh, return because it's, uh, Morocco has always been part of Africa. It cannot be, you know, it's never been a part of anything else, even though, you know, historically we speak of different alliances with the North African Union. It's like the, uh, the Maghreb Union or the Arab world, etc. But uh, but Africa is really the roots of Morocco. So, uh, and, and we have a long history um, with Africa, with, with Sub-Saharan Africa, I mean. Uh, Morocco has always been present in, in Western Africa. Uh, and how, and how, because of uh, proximity. Yeah, and how much but, is uh, Morocco in all this, in its, uh, you know, um, focusing on Africa south of the Sahara, namely West Africa? It started with Francophone West Africa because of the links that you talked about, language, linguistic and historical and even religious. Uh, religious, yeah. Yes, religious uh, being the Sufi, Tijani, a Tijani trend came from Morocco. Right. Um, West, you know, uh, how how much is Morocco banking on, you know, what's going on, say, in its neighbor Algeria, where, you know, Algeria's reliance on oil production and the difficulties related to uh, falling oil prices globally are limiting its um, uh, its involvement south of the Sahara and also Libya's economy being in shatters because of the security and political turmoil in the country. Again, Tunisia, you know, also has historical links with uh, uh, Africa south of the Sahara, but because of its internal political problems, is not able to play, you know, that role. How much is Morocco uh, playing uh, on that. Also, you know, maybe Europe and the U.S., uh, they see Morocco now as a, a country of stability, you know, right. uh, a country of possibilities. How much is Morocco playing on that? Yes, a lot. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Morocco is one of the major things in Morocco. It is essential for Morocco and, and for its Morocco, uh, Moroccan diplomacy and international relations the central issue in them is the central is the question of the Sahara. So uh, the return to the Africa, I mean, going back, you know, going south from Morocco was also uh, going back to uh, an area where there are lots of countries that uh, that uh, have uh, have not been well. Let's say that that recognized lots of countries in Africa have recognized. Uh, the independence of the, the of this uh, so-called Republic of the Sahrawi, but it's uh, and Morocco by leaving in the 1980s left a, a void, left like sort of a void in there, and Morocco returned to Africa both politically, uh, and and it's not just a return to a seat that was left vacant, but it's a return uh, as a as a, a member part of the union, and also a return with uh, uh, as an economic and political player. And it's very significant uh, to come with, with, you know, to come with something, not just uh, Moroccan banks, for example. The, the banks were there for many years now. 
and insurance companies, etc. And uh, Morocco, for example, telecommunications and ICT, agriculture, uh, you know, uh, you name it. I mean, every sector of the of the economy has been uh, used uh, as a uh, for investment, for example, in construction, in um, in basically everything. And so that return... Uh, You're breaking up again. Uh, I was not yeah. able to hear the last thing you said. Um, Dr. Marwa, you mentioned in your first answer, you mentioned uh, Egypt's historical uh, ties with Africa south of the Sahara, especially, you know, in the 1950s and the 1960s. In fact, you know, um, Egypt played a role, a big role in the setting up of Organization for African Unity. And also um, Egypt has always, you know, received African students to learn Arabic or to learn about Islam. And, uh, you know, it has it, it has had these cultural links with um, Africa south of the Sahara. Um At the same time, Egypt's uh, focus, especially economic, has been either with the U.S., where it comes second to Israel in terms of receiving aid, mainly military aid from the U.S., or to the Gulf regions where, you know, there have been uh, job opportunities for uh, many Egyptians uh, and also, you know, uh, economic and investment um, agreements uh, with Egypt. Um, How much... Is Egypt's um, attempt now to refocus its attention driven by competition from countries like you named, the UAE, Israel, uh, but also countries further, uh, further afield like China, like Brazil, like Europe. You know, everyone's attention is on Africa south of, of the Sahara right now. Right. I think uh, you're right about mapping it, uh, the relationship this way. And I think it's important for your listeners to understand in international relations how a country over time, as I said earlier, uh, reorients itself towards its uh, geography or neighborhood. So as you, as we went through that history, you find that Egypt uh, oriented itself differently over time. And um, it's best to always have these layers of identity so that you never cut ties with a certain um, orientation so that uh, Egypt under Sadat as you said became more western looking and interested in western relations and western aid and uh, looking towards the United States and Europe but even if we compare Turkey, Egypt's, Turkey with, uh, Egypt's history with Turkey you found under Ataturk also something happened Turkey reoriented itself from its Ottoman legacy and the entire Middle East, that region, into looking towards Europe and being interested in emulating and competing with Europe. So each country, um, each given country does that over time. Each given African country probably either looked a little bit Western toward Western Africa or Eastern Africa um, uh, or Southern Africa, for instance. So I think that happens and that's normal. Um, But it's important to always keep these ties uh, and the narratives that go around relations uh, continue so that there wouldn't be rifts and, um, and uh, you know, closures or animosities. So now Egypt finds itself pushed to reorient itself towards Africa 
and also there is an interest in so there is the an exigence like a, a must because it has to do to deal with this uh, threat from um uh, the idea that the dam in Ethiopia might threaten it so now it's e- Egypt is orienting itself into the African continent to take care of that but also to build ties with the rest of African countries so that they back Egypt up in its uh, claims and um, grievances but also i think there is an interest in the idea that african countries a are rich they are beautiful lands they are a beautiful uh, nature and geography a beautiful environment in fact the reason why europeans settled in africa is because it's it's rich and beautiful it's not diseased and it's not it's not these negative it's not uh, these negative connotations so i think there are trends within egypt i would say culturally speaking to uh re-narrate a the that the actual connections between egyptians and the rest of the continent and b the exploratory is kind of like if you don't know much about the rest of the continent go know and learn and be educated and marvel at there is a positive connotation about what uh, uh what uh, african cultures and different languages and different practices stand for and i think there is a direction towards uh fixing some of these cultural uh, relations because for some time egyptians might have internalized a little bit of an orientalist and uh, uh hegemonically western viewpoint towards the rest of africa as if they are not part of that as if they are you know different and better and mm-hmm. now the rest of africa a when you say they already have uh, per, uh you know in, uh, bilateral ties with uh, with important countries superpowers uh, be it the united states or china themselves they have bilateral ties so ethiopia might might be rising because it's already carving its own re- relations on the international scene so each of these african countries are having their own affairs as well so egypt should look and say well um there is no superiority there each each other country has its own relations uh, in international relations as well so i think there is a little bit of a change in the attitude among uh, the egyptian government and the egyptian uh, people to to connect more to their to the to the rest of the african countries i would say and that's mm-hmm. a positive development Mm-hmm. You said Europeans settled in Africa because it's a beautiful land. It's not Europeans settled in Africa because of its resources mainly. <laughs> Africa is rich. It has always been in resources. Um, so it is a fact. And there, there were Europeans that did not want to leave Africa. Up till today, there are Europeans who are, you know, South Africa is one place where, you know, the white minority from Europe is running the affairs of an African country, which is South Africa. Africa, while the rest of the population lives in poverty. So it's a fact. But it's true, but I wanted to emphasize that resources are not just material stuff. The sun is a resource, and now even with new uh, alternative uh, energy, the sun will maybe be a very important resource. But the sun, the soil, the, the, diver- the biodiversity, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful part of the planet. So mm-hmm. even in, in uh, it's not just to extract and uh, because resources have no positive uh, value, you know, as in, as in uh, 
non-material value. There is, there is non-material value in this land of Africa. And I think um, belong, you know, those who came and settled and stayed, they, 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 there is beauty. In, so I'm trying to say that there is a counter image to the idea that it's a, it's a poor, diseased, ugly place. Dark, yeah, ugly but, place. But is, actually, the, is the government trying to convey this message to the majority of the population that does not consider itself African, that where, you know, a lot of um, most Egyptians, you know, they don't consider themselves Africans and they look down on uh, Africa south of the Sahara. What is the government trying to do to erase all of these, you know, stereotypes about sub-Saharan Africa? I think so. There are two directions. If you're if you're talking about government programs uh, as such, and also initiatives from civil society or people, it, it, there are two lines of that, and you can see that there is a discussion of that. At least there is. For instance, you would find uh, theses or um, media, uh, you know, master's degrees or dissertations about the image of Africans in the cinema or such. Uh, there, there would be a TV show discussing that and saying that this is uh, unacceptable and wrong anyway. Or there is a sense of uh, um, the, the sense of beauty and uh, aesthetics of what is a beautiful man or woman or body being, you know, also to include uh, black uh, as, as you know, an African ethnicity or such. So, so there is some. Uh, change in the attitude of uh, of what's the criteria of measurement you know what's the what's deemed beautiful what's deemed healthy what's deemed um um uh, rich so uh rich kingdoms of africa you know uh, rich, uh gold of africa or something so there is i think an attitude and it comes with education someone like me who grew up in egypt but moved to the united states early on and was introduced to african studies abroad i must say i exp- i i discovered maybe aspects of africa overseas more so than egypt but then when you become educated you you learn and you become anthropologically exploratory about other cultures and then you teach others. So I would say that over the past 20 years or so, there is maybe a different attitude, um, not as not, not, not sufficient, I would say, but there is still a different attitude. It goes back to even curly hair, for instance. Egyptians, some of them have straight hair because Egypt is a, such a mix of... Uh, of uh, genes anyway, but mm-hmm. there is the, the the curly hair. And then there was a movement of having people have their curly hair and ha- being happy. I have curly hair for myself, for instance. So it's kind of um, these aesthetics of um, not necessarily just Western aesthetics uh, became discussed. And, um, and I think there is a better openness to discuss these things right now that Egyptians um, identify themselves more, at least, with the rest of uh, their neighborhood, which is Mm -hmm. the rest of the continent, I would say. You are listening to ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. You talked about how um, Morocco's investments, especially in the banking sector, um, has is covering you know West Africa, but is is also going east, going south. But there are there are challenges, you know, in terms of infrastructure in many countries um, of Africa. 
how much is Morocco willing to help to help those countries rebuild their infrastructure so that the investments can work for both sides? Yeah. Uh, what I was saying earlier was that the banking system in Morocco uh, has become very modern, etc. And so it's, it's, it, it looks for expansion and it was expanding towards the south and the east in, in some of the North, uh, the North African countries. But most... Uh, mostly Western and uh, uh, West Africa and in Sub-Saharan Africa in general. But the banking system was something that started way back. It's not something new. The, the recent investments for the past 10 years were mostly concerned with infrastructure in, in, West, in, in, South, in Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm-hmm. And so the Moroccan companies were investing in, in, in infrastructure, for example, uh, in telecommunication uh, but also in roads, in highways, in hospitals, in, uh, in construction, in public health, in uh, social housing, uh, and roads and everything. And so the investment was there. The bank, Moroccan banks that were present there were, were facilitators because they, they, they were, you know, they were, the investment was, uh, they were providing finance for those investments, uh, in, in, in those places, in those countries. Um, but it's, it's, it's very interesting because this is the, the, the Moroccan economy is, uh, uh, is, is, is trying to find other markets for its, uh, exports and also for investment for the bigger groups, you know, for these corporations that emerged lately. And so they, they are expanding towards African countries where there is a, there is a very high awareness right now. I mean, it's been here for a few years now that actually the, the countries, with higher um, uh, with higher potential of development is in in Africa. It's in around the world. This is a region that is still a construction site. Everything has to be built from scratch. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of companies that are investing in there in those sectors that are essential. All the all the infrastructure and all the all the the services etc. That's where Morocco is intervening economically in terms of investments. And those are those are have those uh, the, those investments are I said earlier are are, are part of a larger uh, vision that includes um, getting you know the more you invest with in those countries the more the relationships become friendly and become very good politically and so Morocco is gaining in terms of uh, these countries many countries withdrawing their recognition of the of the democratic uh, the so-called republic of the Polisario in the south, south of Morocco. A major issue here is that all of this is part, and re, uh, I mean, the two sides of it, but it's actually just one. Uh, first of all, trying to get those countries to recognize Morocco as uh, sovereign over those regions and also uh, expanding the Moroccan economy towards those nations uh, because those are places where with high potential of development. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the main focus, you know, I think of the Moroccan diplomacy in South. There is very, I mean, there is this, there is awareness, as I said earlier, that, that, uh, potential, uh, development potential is not in Europe anymore. I mean, Europe is saturated. There is, I mean, you can't invest in European countries now. Uh, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't make sense, you know, you know, from a business point of view. Uh, it doesn't make sense to go and invest in Spain or in Germany or in France, but it makes a lot more sense to go and invest in Mali or Niger or uh, Rwanda, for example, Tanzania, Zambia. Those countries that uh, the King of Morocco visited over the past few years 
have seen a, a high a rise in Moroccan investment in infrastructures. There is a there is a gas uh, pipeline that comes from from Nigeria uh, through Western Africa and coming all the way to Morocco and going to France, to, to Europe, for example. Um, the Morocco uh, Morocco has become is you know for example in terms of transportation. The Casablanca Airport is a hub for 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 the most of the part of the of the continent. Um, every every country, every capital of those of the countries in the in the west and the central Africa is connected to Casablanca with the daily flights. So people can, you know, come from from uh, from North America, for example, and the transit through Morocco. Uh, and it's the same thing again in terms of. Finance. When when Morocco opened this uh, this uh, this financial platform, it's called Casablanca Finance City, and and it's 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 drawing lots of investments in terms of uh, of finance. And those are it's a gateway towards uh, you know investing in African countries, even for other other countries. For example, European countries now go through Morocco to invest in other places because mm-hmm. all these sectors have been. Sort of uh, invested in by Moroccan um, corporations, and so it's it, Morocco is banking on all of these things, both economically and politically, uh, and it's uh, and culturally, and it's working. And I mean, it's something that's really working. This South-South relationship is working wonderful now. For mm-hmm. for example, I'm sure you've heard about what happened in the the, the border between Morocco and Mauritania, where there is this uh, Gargarat uh, checkpoint that has been. Uh, cleared by the Moroccan forces because the Polisario uh, militias were occupying it for a while and stopped the trade between the between Morocco and 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 some and the countries uh, of the neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. Mali, Niger, Mauritania, Senegal, etc. Yeah. Uh, the same question to you, Narbi, that I asked yeah. Marwa earlier. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, King uh, Mohammed uh, the Sixth said at uh, uh, an investment or a business conference in Cote d'Ivoire. You know, um, Africa must take charge of itself. It's no longer a continent colonized. Africa should trust Africa. And in, indeed, Morocco is, you know, um, hoping uh, that this will eventually happen. But how much is the government trying to uh, change the attitude? I mean, most Moroccans, just like Egyptians, just like Algerians, just like mm-hmm. Libyans, just like Tunisians, do not, you know, they have this identity thing where they don't, see themselves as Africans as such. And that's, I think, in my opinion, is due to, you know, um, the lack of um, awareness, awareness campaigns, uh, you know, in the media, in the politics, in everywhere where, you know, um, the, 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 the politicians, you know, they, they were looking north towards yes. Europe before. Yes, yes. Um, they, they, they never looked south, you know. Exactly. Before. Exactly. How much? How much is the, the Moroccan government trying to erase some of those negative attitudes towards Africa south of the Sahara and reinforce that African identity uh, among among Moroccans? Uh, I think there is a lot that's been done now uh, since since the, the those visits, the, since the king, you know, visits to to sub-Saharan Africa, and there, and especially since Morocco became. Uh, uh, Part of the a member of the union of the African Union, there is a lot that has been done, and it's been done, and it continues to be done uh, in terms of, of the changing the image of Moroccans. I mean, Moroccan Moroccans' image of themselves as Africans and not as something else. 
uh, we've been brainwashed by the, the pan-Arab uh, ideology that said that we are part of the Arab world and, uh, and so we don't look south, but we look either we look uh, east. Most of the time we look to east without that we are part of the, of the countries of the Arab, you know, the, because of the Arab, uh, pan-Arab ideology, etc. And, and that made Moroccans believe that for a long time they were just part of the Arabs. And then there's the Islamic uh, you know, thing that also said that we are part of Islam, etc. And that and then there is this other movement, you know, that's been there for a while that we are Mediterranean and we should be looking forward to the, to the north and not to the south or the east. And so now <laughs> it seems that the winds are changing and we're looking south. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're looking to the south because that's the origins. There is something that we always say about the king, the late king, Hassan, who said, for example, he said that Morocco is a tree with its branches in Europe, but its roots in Africa. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful image. And so uh, it's, it's coming back, you know, uh, to, uh, to the common, you know, the debates, etc. There is a, for example, there is in Morocco, there is a radio, uh, an international radio. I mean, a radio that is both national and international. It has an African uh, uh, service. Uh, and you can hear, you can, uh, and, and there is debates, etc. So we can, uh, there's the news, debates, etc. And it's related all to Africa. Uh, it's in French, of course, but it's in Arabic and French. most of it is in French. Uh, and there's this African service. So, but there is a full, you know, the, the radio has been there for a long time. It's in Tangier, but it's, uh, you know, it has this international vocation. But for, since a few years now, it, it became morally interested, you know, more interested in, 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 in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, mm-hmm. Other than that, there is a lot of exchanges. For example, there are lots of conferences that we have in Morocco, for example, or in Africa, and, we, and, and programs of exchange, for example, for colleges for students, but also for, for, uh, for faculty, for professors to go, and also for, for other, for uh, colleagues to come from sub-Saharan African countries to Morocco, for example, in, in, in conferences, in, uh, especially for, um, in terms of, you know, in anything that's connected to education. Uh, a lot of exchange for students. We have thousands of students from sub-Saharan African countries who come to Morocco to study with the grants. And lots of them have Moroccan grants to come and study in Morocco. Uh, some, most of them, the public universities, but now we have also these private universities that have a, a clear agenda to to draw, to compete for students, you know, people, students of uh, uh, from sub-Saharan Africa who can study in Morocco. At this, uh, very, you know, they are private, uh, private or semi-private or semi-public universities. Uh, uh, that are also trying to uh, to attract students from those con- from those countries. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that there is a lot of efforts that's been done to change this image. And Morocco, there is more. Uh, um, Moroccans are now uh, trying to, you know, most of, you know, tending to think that they are Africans more than anything else. Uh, and so it's it's changing. It's really changing now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Marwa, uh, is there something you want to say about this particular point? Um, <clears throat> I think you mean the point of how there is outreach into the attitudes, the general attitudes and the question of identity. How the identity in Egypt uh, and in Morocco being North African, you know, and also bordering the Mediterranean and the rest of Europe. So they are really crossroad between lots of other cultures like uh, and and i think having multiple identities is is okay just finding peace with all of them 
without being, feeling that one is more superior to the other. But historically, I think there is an explanation of why one um, takes over until the next ideology takes over and then the next ideology. So that's the, I think that's the exchange between geography and history. Like uh, Arabi was saying uh, how Morocco, for instance, went through pan-Arabism and then pan-Islamism and then rediscovering its African roots, but also having the trees and the branches into Europe. So uh, any country that is boarding multiple circles of uh, of, uh, relations and neighborhoods will go through that. I always look at what Turkey has done over the past 15 years, and it might have been that it pushed Egypt to rethink some of what um, it has been doing and maybe stopped. I, I remember I, I, um, I talked to some Somali cab drivers in Seattle, Washington, and um, they always were very interested if they learn I'm, I'm Egyptian and, uh, and they say, I speak some Arabic and they say, where have you been? That was the question. The Turks mm. are here. And that was back in 2010, mind you. That was like, the Turks are here. We're learning Turkish. Where are you? And he told me that back in the day. And I paid attention to this because, as I said, with Nasser's uh, pan-Arab and revolutionary spirit, he was all over, the ideology was all over Africa, and the rest of African countries were very inspired by Egypt in that kind of uh, one-to-one relationship. It was not hegemonic, it was not superior, it was actually brotherhood in a sense, revolutionary brotherhood. Mm. And then Egypt was present in all these countries, but then it withdrew in the 70s. That also happened in Nigeria, for instance. The Arab Contractors, it's an Egyptian construction company that is owned by the government, and it did a lot of construction work all over Africa up until the 70s. And then, as I said, once uh, Sadat kind of uh, withdrew into a more statist, uh, uh, bordered Egypt. Uh, the rest of the country missed Egyptians, but Egyptians were replaced more or less by other countries that are reaching out into the economic uh, opportunities and also, sadly, into some of the geopolitical uh, militant Islamism, like the case in, in Somalia in particular, where uh, militant Islamists were connected to some of the government's particularly Turkey as well. So there are other, just not economic um, factors, but there are geopolitical and uh, militaristic factors. And there is the culture aspect of where are you uh, come back in a sense of uh, cultural ties and, and geographical ties. So I think there is an opportunity right now for Egypt and Egyptians to reclaim a lot of um, the ties, but on new grounds, I might say, on new um, exploratory equal, equal grounds, equal. Yeah, equal, and also really being curious about another culture, learning, mm. listening, watching, comparing, also seeing the similarities in a sense, Simil- mm-hmm. see- seeing the similarities in in the countries. Uh, uh, I, I think. I personally personally explored Africa in ways that I just went to South Africa at some point, went to um, North Africa at another point, and I was just amazed at the the color of the soil. Uh, in Egypt, it has the sandy soil, but also the dark, um, you know, Nile basin soil. But in South Africa, it was very red. Mm-hmm. I was taken by the idea that the soil in this entire con- continent varies because of the of the of the rivers and the geography and all of that so i would 
I, if I could just like start an initiative of some sort it, after COVID, maybe when we can travel again, would be to go and physically see the, the lands and see the similarities and compare notes and identify yeah. with and, and, and feel really belonging to this vast, uh, Absolutely. Dr. Marwa Maziat from Cairo, thank you so much. And Al Arbi Tua from Wajda in uh, Morocco, thank you also uh, so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcpanafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at African Leadership Center.